everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Reality Is. As always, it's newer, and um, I'm here solo today. I am, I'm going to be here solo actually all weekend because you know what? It's Mother's Day weekend, and I am going to be um, not trying to schedule anything with anybody. <laughs> I, um, I don't want to do that because you know what? Us as mothers, we are constantly... Um, we're constantly holding on the mental load of all the people that we take care of. And we are constantly multitasking. We are scheduling things and worried about things and people and getting places on time. And I just don't want to do any of that. So today's episode is going to be solo and tomorrow's episode is going to be solo. Today, I'm going to be talking about rehearsals of New Jersey. It's going to be brief because, um, because this, like not a lot happened in this episode. Um, So before we get started on the actual episode itself, I wanted to just talk a little bit about what I did this weekend. So um, Thursday, I went to the city and I went to see the Watcher Crappens uh, boys, Ben and Ronnie, um, perform at Town Hall. That's fucking Broadway, okay? On Broadway. Um, I got to go see them um, perform, uh, you know, for a live audience. And I try to go see Watch What Crappens every single year that they come to New York. And they usually do come. I think the only year that we didn't have like a live show that we could go to in person was obviously 2020 during COVID. But um, I've been able to see them many, many times. And um, it was amazing. And I wanted to talk a little bit about like going to the live show and like that this was this was a really emotional day for me. And this is going to get a little bit sappy. Okay. It's going to be a little watch what sappens recap because, um, because it just means a lot. Uh, and I'll explain why. So first of all, this podcast I've been doing now, October will be three years and it's really fucking amazing that it's been three years since we've been doing this. I feel like, I feel like anybody who started a hobby in the last like three years, like since COVID still can't believe that it's been three years since COVID. Right. Um, but I, uh, started this podcast with Arthi kind of, um, on a whim. I did bully her into it. (laughs) I was like, hey, we should do a podcast because everybody was doing podcasts. It was the year was 2020 and everybody and every anybody and everybody you know got a microphone. So I bullied her into it. But I met Arthi through the Watch What Crappens group. Um, they have a Facebook group and that's where I interacted with, with her because she was hilarious and she was – she is South Asian. She's She not wasn't hilarious. I'm not – I didn't mean to say she was hilarious. She still is hilarious and she still is South Asian. Um, you know, and that's how we like just connected right off the bat. Um, and then we also met at a live show in 2019. Um, but I came across Watch What Crappens. Uh, I'll never forget it. On October 30th, 2017, it was the night before Halloween. I was uh, being a piece of shit mom because I had not gotten my son a proper Halloween costume and I was just putting it off. And I thought that the one that we had was going to fit him, but it was too small for him. Um, and I was just, I was drowning at the time. I had a six month old baby. It was just a lot. I had a six month old baby, a three year old son. Anyway, I remember going to the party city, which was fucking packed. Okay. It was packed. Like I was at BravoCon 
And um, at that time, I think that week, Watch What Happens had started releasing podcasts like of their actual shows, right? Of like every night show. So it's like, oh, I don't know who it was on that was on, but um, on that episode, but I was like, oh, let me look up a Watch What Happens episode on Apple iTunes. So I typed that in and obviously I come across Watch What Crappens. And I'm like, what is this? So I just tap on it and immediately I fell in love. Like immediately I was cracking up. I think that they did a, they actually did a recap of an Andy Cohen interview. I think this is also around the time that Nini started releasing all this stuff saying that like Andy was super problematic. I think Nini accused him of stuff and I don't know what it was, but they did a whole recap of all the shit that was coming out about Andy and I immediately fell in love. And then um, so that was October, uh, 30th, right? So about mm, seven days later, I was in a hospital with my son, Aiden, and he was three and he had been diagnosed out of nowhere. He fell and we thought he had a concussion and we got him a CT scan and he was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And then we started, um, surgery for him, emergency surgery. And I was stuck at a hospital for three weeks. We were in Maryland where uh, he fell and we found out that he had a brain tumor. And I was I was stuck at this hospital, right? And it was obviously the worst experience that any parent, um, one of the worst experiences any parent can go through. Um, it's kind of ironic that I'm talking about all this on Mother's Day. But anyway, I had a really hard time. That was a really difficult year. You know, I was still postpartum with my younger son, Noah. And then Ada was in the hospital. And, you know, all of the trauma that comes with being a caretaker of your child suddenly, um, going through cancer treatment for any of your loved ones suddenly. It was just a lot. And I turned to watch what happens to make me laugh. I was like, oh, I'm just going to listen to these guys recap these shows. And I don't even think I had the time to catch up on Housewives, but I still was like listening to them recap it. And then when we got back to New York, um, because I had the baby at home, I couldn't stay in the hospital with my son. So my husband would stay in the hospital with my son during treatment and I would have to come home every night and breastfeed the baby. And so I was driving back and forth from NYU in Manhattan to New Jersey where I live in Essex County. So it's like 35 minutes, but in traffic, you know, coming home from the city and then also going to the city, it's just a lot of traffic. So I would spend all my traffic hours listening to watch what crap ends. And they just, they just always made me laugh. They made me so fucking happy. Um, and a year later after that, uh, after everything we went through with my son, you know, he's doing great. He's nine. I was just arguing with him about how he's on the iPad all the time. Like we're living a pretty incredible and normal life. Uh, it's wild sometimes to think about all the shit that we've been through with him, but he's okay, you know? Um, but a year after that, uh, about a year after I found Watch What Crap Ends, um, that Halloween Eve, I went to a Watch What Crap Ends show all by myself. And I made a bunch of friends and they were so incredibly nice. And it was actually going to the city and seeing this show by myself was the first thing that I did alone for myself, right? Like, yes, I would drive back and forth from the city to my one child in a hospital and my one baby at home, but I wasn't doing anything for myself all those years and, or all that year. And so the first thing that I did for myself was to go see Ben and Ronnie perform, um, live. 
And it was amazing. And I didn't know that at that time I would, number one, make all these friends. I like joined the Facebook group and everybody was just so fucking kind and lovely. Um, But I didn't know that I would end up, you know, I don't, I'm like literally just, I'm like literally, I'm just saying the words off the top of my head. Things happen in your life and you don't realize what is happening at the time that they're happening because you're just fucking living life, right? And years later, you think back to it and you realize that these were those serendipitous moments, right? Like finding their podcast in October of, of 2017 and then having them like by my side all those years and then going to their live show in October 2018 and then all of that like – all the people that I've met along the way, the fact that I connected with Arthi, the fact that I've made so many friends, people who even listen to this podcast, um, and then this podcast itself, right? I always say that this podcast makes me feel like I don't have to apologize for myself. It's so funny. I just ran into – actually, while I was at the show, we were at a bar before the show um, – Thank you, Richie D, who is a.k.a. at Caduce. He makes the hilarious cartoons, the Bravo cartoons. Um, he organizes hangout. We went to the long room and um, there was a listener and I don't remember her name because I am a trash receptacle. But there was a person that was there that said that she listened to the podcast and she was so fucking nice. And I said, I don't know how to respond when people say that they listen to the podcast. Sometimes I just want to apologize because so much of my life has existed in me thinking that like I shouldn't be saying this, you know, and I still I try to be bold and confident and all those things, but a lot of times in the back of my head I think to myself like Ugh, you're probably the most fucking annoying person in the world. <laughs> and so my instinct sometimes is to apologize to people for being annoying. But this podcast like this this listener was amazing because she said, you know, you don't have to apologize as women of color. First of all, as a woman, you've probably had to apologize your whole life because you feel like you have to apologize for taking up space, but you don't have to. But as a woman of color, you don't especially don't have to apologize because you should take up space. You own this space and it's yours and and you don't have to apologize for it, which is amazing. But, you know, this podcast really has helped me with that. It has helped me with finding importance in my own voice, um, dealing with my imposter syndrome and just just all of it. And I'm having all these emotional feelings and I'm feeling so emotional about going to the show last night because whoo, I don't want to cry because at the show, um, you know, Ben and Ronnie, I, they were talking about rails and I had to, of course, let them know that rails was not closed. They thought rails was closed in New Jersey and I let them know that rails wasn't. They spotted me in the audience and they said, oh my God, like it's newer, the host of the reality is podcast. And I was like, holy fucking shit. Like, these guys who are literally my, like, I always say they're my pod daddies. They're like my mentors, right? But they're also like my fairy god daddies. Like, <laughs> like, I found them at a time when I didn't realize that I would need them. And then I had them by my side all those years. And then through them, I found all these people and this community and this person in Arthi who helped me find my own voice. And here I am now, you know, a couple years later, and these guys are giving little old me a shout out. Like, what the fuck? And 
it's just been amazing and it was just a really emotional and incredible day and if you were there and I and you said hello and you said that you listened or if you didn't want to come and say hello cuz you know that I'm like kind of a an awkward person I understand but if you listened to me and you were there or even if you weren't or if you listened to their podcast and you heard the shout out and you were like hey I listened to that too or if you found me because you heard that shout out, I just want you to know I really appreciate you. And I just want you to know that it means a lot because as a, um, uh, you know, as mothers, as women, we often are, um, we we hold our value based on what we produce. Uh, you know, we're, we're mothers, we're raising children, we're busy, we have lists in our minds, and we have things to do. And a lot of our self-worth is tied to our productivity. And it doesn't have to be. Um, it should just be tied to you existing and taking up space, you know. And so I, I really appreciate you being here and I appreciate you listening because I – I didn't I can't believe that I get to do this for fun. I can't believe that I get to be friends with them. I can't believe I get to meet all these cool people. I can't believe I get to have these like really interesting silly conversations about truly things that are petty and not important, but I can't believe I get to do that and I just really appreciate you all for being here because I've spent a lot of my life I don't know. Okay, pause by the way. I don't even know if I'm fucking making any sense because the show went on until late and then I went to the bars afterwards and then I didn't get home until 1.30 and I was on such an adrenaline adrenaline high. I sound like fucking Teresa. Adrenaline's high that I didn't fall asleep until like 2.30 and then of course I had to get up and do the morning routine with the kids and everything like that. So I'm just a little bit out of it too. But my point is that I'm sorry I'm going on a rant. I promise this is going to wrap up very, very soon. But my point is that as a as a as a south asian immigrant person i have spent a lot of my life feeling very out of place i don't feel like i belong in one particular community i feel i, I feel like i'm kind of useless like i don't feel like i bring very much value to my people i feel like you know kind of um a dork like a wallflower that doesn't fit in anywhere and i'm just so incredibly lucky because I don't feel that way in this group. I don't feel that way in my podcast. I don't feel that way with the people who listen to us or the people that I communicate with or like the other podcasts that we've like met along the way, the dumpster dives, the I'm the cute one, the what else is going on, the who asked me is the Bravo War Blacks, like Bravo by Brett, like all these people that I've been able to meet along the way they don't make me feel like I don't belong. And that sense of belonging for somebody like me who has not felt like they belonged for so long really means the absolute fucking world. So I really appreciate you being here and I'm going to collect myself and drink some water and take a break and I will be right back and we will talk quite briefly about Real Hustles of New Jersey. Okay, we're back. Um, So the Real Housewives of New Jersey, this like penultimate episode, right? I mean, usually when we watch like scripted series, the second to last episode is usually supposed to be really good. I'm just, obviously they're setting it all up for, I think the, the Teresa wedding show probably, but this episode didn't have a lot. But one thing that I noticed 
in every single scene of this episode was obviously it's about family, right? That's what this whole thing is about. It's always about family. But specifically, this episode was all about different, all these different groups talking about family dynamics, right? Like all these scenes were about family dynamics. So you had Margaret who set up a play date for her mom to meet with Jennifer Fessler's twin mother, Jennifer Fessler's mother, who has a twin sister who are allegedly friends with Barbara Streisand, though we see no proof of it. And now I'm starting to wonder if James Gandolfini was ever inside of Jen Fessler. Uh, I don't even think I've ever talked about that, but it, mm, Jed Fessler, I need you to name drop less because now I don't believe you. Anyway, the twins come. There's like, it's just a very, it's, 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 it's shtick.com, right? Um, but the sisters come and we're talking about sisters dynamics and we're talking about daughters and mother dynamics. And it made me a little bit sad, right? Because all it reminded me was that these are relationships that like Teresa does not have. And I think it's important to keep that in mind when we get to the end of the episode and, you know, Louie has that absolute bad shit outburst. Um, but, you know, I think it's just interesting that this scene was like sisters on display, right? These old sisters and then the aunt's relationship with Jen and then Jen's relationship with her mother and Marge's relationship with Marge Sr. Like it was just a lot of that kind of stuff. You know, even Marge Sr. or even Marge saying like, oh, Lexi's been with me 14 years and she lives with me now and she's like my family and blah, blah, blah and all that stuff. It was a lot of emphasis on these groups, these families that each cast member has. But when you get to Teresa, it's just Teresa and Louis. Um, we had the scene with the Catania family and Frank and, and Polly and the kids, they finally like go and meet or whatever. And they have a meal and Frank's girlfriend is absolutely the dumbest person I've ever met, but I, I've never met her, but I'm sure, I'm sure we've been in the same room before. I would think that me and her have probably been in the same room before, but I've never met her, but she's the dumbest person I've ever seen on television. And this is a show that had like fucking Teresa Judice on, okay? Let's get Britney more airtime, okay? I need Britney to do more talking, give her some confessionals, just like let her, give her a topic. I just want to hear her talk about, I don't know, the stock market. Tell me about real estate. What are your thoughts, Britney? <laughs> I just want to hear what she has to say. But anyway, you have this scene with the Catanias and they go to dinner and whatever. And Frank is talking about like how he was really threatened and he wasn't sure. And he never thought that like they could all be together. But look at them now. I realize like I've said this many, many times, but Frank was only, only, only intimidated about screen time. He thought Polly was going to come and Frank wasn't going to get screen time anymore. It's not about Dolores's attention. It's about Andy Cohen's attention. But at the end, you know, they all talk about like how, you know, when Frank and Brittany get married, Frankie Jr., Frankie, little Frankie, whatever his name is, hot Frankie is going to be Frank's best man and Gabby's going to be, uh, and then Dolores is going to be in Brittany's wedding and it's like kumbaya and all this stuff. And it just made me, again, like it was like another scene of like, look at these people roughing it out, making it work, and now look. Like this is another relationship that Teresa does not have. Um, they talk, uh, there's a lot of talk online this week about Polly and how he's not married. I mean, sorry, that he is still married. And Margaret threw Dolores under the bus in the after show. At the Crappens show, she was there and she got on stage and she talked a little bit. You should listen to the episode. But she did this thing where she totally – 
said that she got set up and that because she was by herself, they asked her a question that she couldn't not answer. But it's like, bitch, you still, if they asked you, is Polly, we heard from so-and-so that Polly is not divorced. You could have very well said, because that's what she said. Sorry, I should specify that. She said that another cast member whose name she wouldn't say, which again, hello, Arsenal, another cast. And that's how I sound like Margaret. I'm jumping from thing to thing. That's how Margaret protects herself because she says things and she'll be like, well, somebody told me, but I'm not going to throw them under the bus. And it's like, "Mm," but you're still doing it, you know? And she did it to Jennifer when she was like, oh, did I hit a nerve? And it's like about uh, Bill, like many, many years ago. She says it and then she says it in a way where she's masking some of the information. So it seems like she's protecting you, right? So she said that a cast member told production that Paul is not married and Paul is not fully divorced and that they're just separated. And so Margaret was asked in the after show if Polly is not divorced. And Margaret says, um, yeah, I mean, I guess Dolores could give get rings. There's nothing wrong with rings, but I guess you can't really get married if you're not divorced, right? So why would you answer it that way if the question was, is Paul not divorced? You could say what Teresa said, I think, at some point, which is that it doesn't really matter. Like if you want to get married or don't want to get married, it's nobody's business, whatever, right? But that's not what Margaret said. So anyway, Margaret is talking about Polly not being divorced. The facts are the facts. Polly is not divorced. He isn't. But like in the words of um Fred Armisen as Joy Behar on SNL. So what? Who cares? Like, I don't give a shit. Polly, there's other things to ask about Polly. Like, why does Polly look like he's Photoshop? Why does he always look like he's green screened in the background? He he has the the like finishing on his face of a cardboard cutout, and I don't understand him. Anyway, Louie and Teresa, I think we had like a scene with them doing wedding planning and stuff. We find out that Melissa has not RSVP to some wedding events. And this is like where Louie's mask is initially starting to fall off. But he says that Joe Gorga has given Louie a heads up. I'm sorry, Joe Judice has given Louie a heads up about Joe Gorga. He says stuff like Melissa makes me sick and Joe Judice warned me about Joe Gorga. Uh, Teresa says, yeah, you know, all the problems I had in my marriage were because of my brother, Joe. No, it was because your husband sent you to jail. Um, but Louis says that Juicy told him, Juicy Joe Judice told him that Joe Gorga is insecure and feels intimidated. And so to watch your back. I mean, that's true. Joe Gorga does feel intimidated and Joe Gorga is insecure, but, uh, that isn't a reason why we have question marks about you, Louis. Like, I get it. <laughs> I understand. But Joe Gorga was also um, insecure. He, I'm, I'm sorry. Joe Judice probably thought Joe Gorga was insecure and intimidating. Intimidated, and that's why he and Joe Judice didn't get along. Might be true, but also they didn't get along because you sent his sister to jail. <laughs> um, we have like a John Fuda and Rachel Fuda talking about adopting their sons. And again, another family scene, right? Another scene that you're not going to get for Teresa because whenever her kids are around, all they talk about is how they fucking hate their uncle. Um, Danielle has a scene with her mom and they talk about her brother. And this is, you know, a sobbing scene with Danielle in a confessional being like, if that boy, is he lost? She says something like, I don't know, maybe he's lost. No, I don't think he is. Although he might be because Sayerville is really far. 
Can we talk about that for a second? Danielle lives in Sayreville, New Jersey. That's not North Jersey, guys. Sayreville is like a good hour away. Let me Google that. I might be making shit up. I'm pretty sure. Sayreville is really far. Like Teresa and all these people, they live in Bergen County. And Sayreville is like way down past fucking Elizabeth, okay? Number one. Love Danielle. I just have to say always. I think she's got great energy, but she lives really far. So like if you're driving from Sayreville to like Ridgewood, which is like where I think like the most of the castle guys, that's an hour. That's an hour. You might as well give me, oh Jesus. You might as well give me the twins that used to live down in the shore in that weird season six that happened. Anyway. Um Danielle is, yeah, she says her brother got lost probably on his way to Sarahville. Um, But again, another scene where you're like seeing this like family, 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 but at least Danielle has her mom, right? Teresa doesn't have her mom. Um, Jen, we have a scene with my queen Jen Aiden and she's setting up an apartment for her brother and his wife and their baby who were moving back from Turkey. And again, like more family stuff, more family stuff. And again, in this scene, it's like Jennifer gets to say like, I get along. So like her (laughs) sister-in-law does this like very stage reading of like, of Jennifer. Jennifer, she's like, Jennifer, you are so good to me. You are the best sister-in-law I could ever ask for. I'm like, okay, read the cue cards. Just put the cue cards in your face and read them at this point. You look ridiculous. But you know, it, It was definitely a scene where Jennifer got to say like, see, I get along with my sister-in-law. This is what sister-in-law and sister-in-law relationships are supposed to be like, right? Again, a reminder that Teresa doesn't have that. Um, We have this, I think towards the end of the episode, we just have like everybody getting ready for this stupid 20s party. And I just want to talk about that for just a second because Paulie's throwing this party and at the dinner with the Catanias, he says something like, you know, this is... Uh, let's have a party for Ireland when it was getting on the map (laughs) and, you know, in the 1920s. Now, I know that Ireland gained its independence in the 1920s, like I think in 1920, but like it didn't like just come on the map with like party time, excellent, roaring 20s prohibition. Also, Ireland, I, I don't believe they had prohibition in Ireland. So like, what are we doing here? I mean, you could have said that it's like a well, – what's the name of that movie with Tom Hanks? Um, I want to say The Departed. It's definitely not The Departed. I really like this movie. It was about prohibition. Um, it's about like the Irish mafia in uh, Tom Hanks' mafia movie. Um, uh, Road to Perdition. Yes. Road to Perdition. You could have said it's like a Road to Perdition theme story maybe or party i'm not sure was road to perdition even set in the 1920s it may have been even later my point is this i don't understand why anybody would have a roaring 20s party for an irish themed party it doesn't make sense didn't sunday bloody sunday happen in the 1920s like wasn't there an irish civil civil war a very brutal irish civil war following that I've watched The Banshee of Insurine, okay? I don't think that there's anything in that that tells me flapper vibes and sequin turbans, okay? Anyway, it was just hilarious. They were like, we need an excuse to have another Roaring Twenties party, a Gatsby party. Um, but everyone's getting ready. Danielle says to her husband that she's going to talk to Melissa about the rumors 
let's remember this again. Daniel is going to talk to Melissa about the rumors that Jennifer told her about Melissa that Jennifer was told by Laura were rumors that Margaret was spreading. How stupid. Um, Louis, at the end of this episode, has a full meltdown, right? He says all the things about Joe Gorga that are probably true about Louis. He says that uh, Joe Gorga is manipulative. He's a gaslighter. He's calculating. He's unhappy. He's uninteresting. I wouldn't even give him a cup of water. How dare he say that you're miserable? All this stuff, right? And in that scene, there is something about Teresa that just broke my heart for her, right? Because Yes, she is not without fault. She is an asshole. She is loving this red flag. This man is a walking red flag. He is so red. But there is something about this scene that broke my heart for her. Because it's not it, – I don't think that it's just about the fact that, like, she's getting brainwashed by this uh, this dude who is a fucking problem, right? There are women who have come out and talked about the fact that Louis is a bad guy. I think what broke my heart for her was that it's not like she has a great relationship with her brother. Like her brother doesn't see that he is a problem and think to himself like, let me put my shit aside and just be there for my sister, right? He doesn't think to himself like, this might be a problem. So let me be around more so that my sister isn't alone, so my sister isn't isolated. Instead, all we saw this season was Joe Gorga avoiding going to places where his sister was going to be, avoiding talking to his sister and all that kind of stuff. He removed himself from the situation. And I get it. Sometimes you want to like set up boundaries, all that stuff. But he removed himself from a situation where he his sister could have probably used him. And it's a fucking shame because when this happens, when we get the full, full Louie, you know, uh, kit and caboodle, and Teresa finds herself in a pickle, she is going to be able to say, well, when I needed you, you weren't there for me. And unfortunately, all they have is each other to blame about that. And it's very much possible that Joe Gorga doesn't think that Louis is a red flag because they're both like the same level of toxic masculinity. But uh, it just makes me sad. Honestly, it does. Um, anyway, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, listening to my rants. That probably didn't make it a lot of sense. I am going to take my antidepressant, wash my face and go to bed. Um, but I will be back, uh, this weekend with Vanderpump Rules and Summer House Recap. And I will be, um, enjoying Mother's Day. I will be watching Drag Race all weekend. I've been going to binge Drag Race. I've watched a couple of seasons. I just like fell off because who watches MTV? Not me. And I don't watch live television anyway. So I am going to be binging Drag Race for Mother's Day. And I hope that you all, if you are celebrating Mother's Day, if Mother's Day is hard for you, if Mother's Day is triggering for you, whatever kind of mother you are, not a pet mom. Can I just say, just let's just adopted mother, stepmother, um, you know, amante, whatever. Um, if that is how you are celebrating a Mother's Day or avoiding Mother's Day or finding peace, whatever it is, I hope that you find peace on Mother's Day. I hope you find some calm. I hope that our lists end. I hope that we rid of our get rid of our anxiety this weekend, even if it's for a couple, even if it's for a couple of hours. I hope that you feel special and and wonderful and lovely and if you are a mother uh in any way if you are a new mom or a grieving mother or a mother who's been through some shit 
I am here for you and I appreciate you and you're fucking amazing for being where you are. And don't, don't forget that at some point in your life, not don't forget, uh, what's the word I'm going to think of? My brain's not working. Listen, I'm going to leave you with this thought. You never know at what point in your life you'll suddenly stop and think to yourself, there were moments in my past that were the serendipitous moments that led me to being exactly where I needed to be today. So I hope that you find that for yourself and I want that for you. And I hope that you have a wonderful weekend and I'm going to shut the fuck up and I'll talk to you later. Bye.